Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Whether you want us to plug your website, your movie, your small business, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. It's an incredible deal. So once again, that URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is Jenna Ipkar. Yo. And not in his chair, but on Skype is John D'Amico. Yo, sorry, I'm, I'm eating cookies. Yeah, how's the cookies? Like, they're good. They're 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 mini chocolate hazelnut biscotti from Trader Joe's. Okay. So, oh, it was almost so Italian, and you had to kill it with the Trader Joe's. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, sometimes you gotta go to Trader Joe's or Trader Vic's or any of the traders. You gotta barter for your biscotti. Yeah, they do. It's like Fury Road over here. All right, so we have all seen Force Awakens now, and hopefully you've seen it too, because this is going to be a very spoiler-heavy episode. You know, I put something in the title indicating such, but in case you just clicked randomly, we're going to be doing some spoilers here. We're going to assume you've seen it. All right, so quickly, I assume we all liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. I liked it myself. Jenna, you liked it. I liked it, but uh, a little reserved. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think everybody has their issues with it. You know, I've I've talked to plenty of friends about it already, and my issues, some of them are the same as other people, you know, but everybody has their own personal issues with it, I think. So this should be an interesting discussion. We, we'll talk about what we liked first, I guess. What I liked was it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite thing about it. It was fine. Yeah, it, I get that. It sounds weird, but I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It felt like it was like four years or five years or whatever of like diffusing a bomb. And then finally at the last minute, they diffused the bomb and the plane didn't blow up, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's fine. I'm fine with par. I feel like it was par and I needed par. We got one out. The plane didn't blow up. The vaccine wasn't spread to the ocean. We can all move on with our lives now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I get that. What was uh, what was the most and least fine element about it for you? I think the the casting is probably the best thing it has going for it. Agreed. Oh hell yeah! Going Agreed. forward, especially into eight and nine, I mean, yeah. really good casting, like better than they needed to be. Even I would say the casting was on par with the casting of the original. Yeah, and I think it was that careful and that smart and that like everybody. You know how like the original really what's holding it together is all those little like. Like Peter Cushing is really selling those uh, those scenes in the Death Star and Alec Guinness is really selling this. And, you know, there's people like in odd places really selling odd things. Mm. Same one with this, you know, like there was nothing bringing it down the way a lot of these movies just will have something misplaced 
and it'll bring the whole house of cards down. Yeah. I, w- I will say with this casting, though, I wanted more of the new cast. You know, it was great casting, and I wanted a little more downtime with them to get more character development in. Really? I was impressed with how much you had of them, because I was expecting it to be like half and half, and I was like pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. I, I felt like there was the, the pacing of the movie, like the whole movie felt very introductory, which is, you know, it's not a bad thing. I just thought I wanted the pacing to be a little better. I thought there was too much trying to like jump and second guess what you might sigh and roll your eyes at. Like JJ was very trying, trying so hard. And you could tell like he put out too many plates on the table and was like, look, no, I have every entree. Like I have every appetizer. Like if you don't like that too, here's another one. Yeah. It's like the thing that uh, Gordon Ramsay always complains about when he goes to like fix these restaurants and he's like, all right, well you got like 50 or a hundred things on the menu. Like, let's get it down to about like five or something. There was definitely something for everybody in this film, but I do think it kind of succeeded at that. You know, it offered a lot of different stuff, but even the stuff that didn't work, it didn't not work in such a way that like it haunts me. Like there's that. Right. I went back and I watched the prequels and I do enjoy them better than I did when I was younger. But there's a line in, in Phantom Menace. I mean, there are these jar jar lines that just haunt you and just ruin your 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 existence i rewatched those before this one and i was shocked at how bad they still are yeah there's a there's a jar jar line which is during a somber moment where he's like with padme or whatever and he says you to think and you to people gonna die and it's the worst fucking thing that's ever happened <laughs> it's i and I, I, I'm saying this as a person who does like the prequels. I, I think they're like three and a half, uh, three, three and a half out of five or three out of five, depending on my mood. But that line just cuts through me and just, I, I, there's, I can't defend that whatsoever. There's no defense of a line that horrible. This one felt like um, almost to a fault, which is why I'm kind of now energized to see where they go from here now that they've gotten the one out of the gate. But it felt like it was, very aware of where the pitfalls in the last three were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like very aware of not doing that. And very careful, yeah. Yeah, like when you think about, I mean, part of the reason the second one, Attack of the Clones, is so bad, which I really can't stress enough how horrible that movie is on a rewatch. A big part of it is it's like this world where there's not a single prop in the entire movie, you know? Well, I it's love barren. the, the yeah. move back to, uh, you know, puppets set building in this one it but was not, so not apparent just that i mean just like you know they have dirt on their clothes right i don't and, even think um, there was enough stuff in the rooms with them yeah i don't even think there was enough puppetry in this it, i remember hearing when they were first you know putting this together and making it like oh we're going back to tons of practical effects this that, and the other glad they didn't to be honest yeah they it, it had just as much you know cgi characters interacting as like with the prequels and stuff like it yeah, had, they were just integrated. Yeah, but it, I, I guess I was looking for, you, you know, especially when when they meet like the orange looking uh, old lady with like the big glasses or whatever. Yeah, that was... Why couldn't that have been a humanoid looking character with prosthetics or, you know, a puppet or whatever? Like, I don't understand why that had to be CG. I think it looks better the way it is. I didn't think she looked good at all. Yeah, Walking she took down me a little the room and everything, you couldn't do that with a puppet. But you could do it with like a person Puppets in are the prosthetics. Type of thing that everybody says they want in their movies, and then when I think when you finally get them, like you realize there was a reason they got rid of all that stuff. Yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, I'm I don't think she needed like, to be a puppet, but I think she should have been just a, a human with with I prosthetics. I wasn't bothered by that at all. 
But I, I mean, like, sorry, I'm really in the middle of a cookie right now. Let me swallow this cookie. Yeah. Look, I'll say that. The, let me get this out of the way, because the rest of what I have to say about this movie is pretty positive. But the one thing I really didn't like was that scene in the Millennium Falcon with those creatures that get loose mm-hmm. and oh, are rolling around. That part was terrible. It was the most J.J. Abrams part in the movie. You know, it was like this sort of pact of like, oh, hey, here's Han. Oh, shit. Now here's an action sequence. Don't get bored. No, wait, Han's here again. It just felt very like trying to please you, but it was just useless and and dumb. And uh, it just that that really killed it. And it was so CGI that it just took me out of it. The other stuff I thought that actually, you know, I could tell when something was a puppet, but then they probably CGI'd the face. Of course. You know, stuff like that, which is like, eh, it's fine. But like I agree with you, I because I, um, that's what's her face, the actress is, who's fantastic, Lupita Nyong'o. There you go, and and she's wonderful. Yeah, and they why not just, just put her in, there, her in there and maybe even shrunk her down? You know what I mean? It worked for Shiny Time Station. Like why not? <laughs> I guess I don't know. I don't really care. That's, about that's the line of the episode. It worked for Shiny Time Station. <laughs> I wasn't going into this hoping I was going to see a shitload of puppets. Uh huh. Not like a puppet enthusiast, but um, I agree that that was. That part was like the one part of the movie where you're like, just don't, don't do this. And it was interesting because the people playing those two rival gangs were famous. Mm. So like, it's pretty clear that that part was bigger and they cut it down in the edit and they should have just taken it entirely out because it really, it just didn't work. Yeah. It was stupid. They yeah, could've... it felt like a generic uh, sci-fi action thing right. to happen. That could have happened in anything. Could have happened in like, oh, the Serenity movie sequel or, you know, Lost in Space reboot or any like it, it's just a catch all sci-fi thing to happen is monsters are loose and we're going to sort of try and cut them up with like the, the sliding doors and the building or whatever. Right. And they, it's like um, they could have just alluded to those monsters. Because that would kind of would have been neat. It would have been like, well, what is Han up to? Oh, he's like hauling monsters. And they could have yeah. just cut and been like, I really loved Ray being so enamored with meeting Han and being like, oh, my God, you're a legend. Oh, my God, Luke is a real guy. Like, they could have just had more of that. That would have established so much. It would have just been like, and that's what I mean by I wanted a little more character building. It would have established, like, who Ray is and what she knows and, and how she interacts. And then it would have been like, hey, what's Han been up to? Like, what the hell? You know, like, or just a tiny glimpse of the monster, and that's it. You right. Know? My yeah. favorite bit is that they both know him through different channels. Yes. I liked that he knew him as the rebellion leader, and she knew him as the smuggler, mm. which made a lot of sense to me, and and was a very like efficient way of telling you what the world was like in like the intervening thirty years. You know, you really got a sense that all that stuff that happened happened and then sort of wasn't collated exactly you know what i mean like history moved on well they don't have the internet scraps yeah you would get you know scraps of it and when you were out on like a weird smuggler planet you'd know about him as a smuggler right if you were in the in the future death star you'd know about the rebellion and like you you know nobody had the information you had and there are a lot of touches like that that i thought were really nice and made a lot of sense as to just how time moves I think the most emotional part of the whole movie for me was when um, when Han sees his son on the bridge and he calls out to him and he calls him Ben and you realize he named his kid after Obi-Wan. Yeah. yeah. And like, not only did that make me realize how old he was, but like more than that, it made me realize how young he was in those first movies. And you start to see this thing that happened to them, not as like, you know, just another adventure in their life, but as like the defining event of their life. Yeah. Which was clever, and I don't think you got a sense of that in the old ones because they couldn't give it to you that way. And I think the prequels actually sort of undercut that. But like 
that really worked on me, that sense that, you know, like 30 years later, they were all still sort of struggling to move on from having fought that war. It reminded me of like the Civil War veterans who met in the, in the 20s at Gettysburg and shook hands and remembered and everything, you know? It was just like a, a very well-handled aspect of the film, I think. And then they get married and they had a shitty kid who, uh, you know, completely rebels against them because he's too emotional. So I like, we have to talk about old Rilo Kylie, Kylo Ren, because he's the best guy. That's the he best goddamn guy. You got a crush on him? He, he's just such a little shit. <laughs> like, he's just completely, and, I, and it, if him, who he is, fills so much backstory in about Han and Leia. Yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah. Because you can tell, here's my whole theory. My theory <laughs> is that he was, uh, you know, they, they had this kid. He was, like, probably super, super emotional and sensitive. And after two sleepless nights, Han was like, I'm fucking out. And then Leia was like, oh, fuck. And then she really cared more about her job and working with like the rebellion and establishing stuff. And so she couldn't deal with it. So they gave him to Luke after a while. And Luke's super sweet. And Luke was like, absolutely. Oh, my God. I love my nephew. And then, of (laughs) course, he came and killed all of Luke's, uh, you know, little students and then totally rebelled and was like, fuck you. I'm going to deal with my grandfather. He was cool. And you guys suck because they're all super famous. And he's probably constantly being asked by everyone like, Oh, Han and Leia, huh? Those are really great people. Those are really changed the entire galaxy. And he's like, fuck. And he goes, listens to like Evanescence or something. Like, I'm I'm the big fan of this kid. What a shit. <laughs> I'm a big I, fan of this kid. What a shit. <laughs> I liked the way he doesn't know as much about Darth Vader as we do. Which mm. goes yeah. back to what I was talking about before. You know, that sense that like we get to have a little bit of perspective that they don't. He, um, like his whole little cult of personality about him, like we know that's not who he was. Yeah. We saw the end of Jedi and we saw those first three terrible ones. And like, it's just really cool to see, see like the error of his ways without having a, for them to come out and say it exactly like that. Well, I love that he's so much more angsty than Anakin. And for all of the angst that everyone liked to, to say, oh, Anakin's such a, he's such a bad actor. This is a terrible character. Like at least the guy grew up in slavery and had his mob killed and you know like he went through some shit like kylo ren has like nothing you're like he's just a spoiled brat that like you know and and that's what's implied maybe something bad happened to him but seeing how much his father loved him and then he you know is like completely it says like screw you dad you don't understand me and then like you know kills him yeah i thought adam driver was probably tasked with the most of the of the new people because he he you know he had to convey so fucking much with uh you know not not too many scenes really but like very defining moments each time out and i thought he he had a really good handle on it it was if anything he was probably tasked with too much for like an actor to be tasked with but i think he rose to the occasion yeah he's great it's funny too because uh you know a couple of my friends have been saying like they can't believe like that he's the son of of leia and and han they're like he's just not good looking enough I'm like, but sometimes two good looking people have like a kind of ugly kid. But yeah, like it mashes together wrong. Yeah. And but his nose, like him and Harrison Ford together. I was like, no, nah, I can kind of see it. Yeah, I can see it. I can <laughs> yeah, see too. them. I can see the casting. I think it works. Yeah, yeah it was great. I was going to say my other favorite of the whole thing was Oscar Isaac. Who oh, yeah. I yeah. really didn't know much going into it. So I thought they had killed him off in the beginning. And I thought it was like stunt casting like um me too kirk's dad at the beginning of um the first new star trek movie and then when it came back i like flipped i was so happy to see him again i'm apparently a huge poe dameron fan now 
Yeah. Who I didn't isn't? expect. Who isn't? But, oh my God, he was the best. He's the best. Like, I wanted more of him. He's the perfect, like, reverse Han. You know, he's just as charming and everything, but like, he's fine. He's happy. He likes everybody. Just, just like a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and great, great taste in jackets that he has. Yeah, tremendous jackets. That's the, that's the one part of the legacy that I think they upheld the best. How good the jackets always were in Star Wars. Yeah. And the luscious 70s locks. That's what yeah. I'm so happy. All the men have wonderful, you know, luxurious 70s hair. And it works <laughs> so well. This is finally the movie to bring back the 70s. I'm going to be so glad. Because I feel like I've been waiting in the wings a long time. I sure as hell time. hope so. I love Poe. Yeah, he's wonderful. See, if if Kylo Ren, it's like, fuck, he's a he's a, a human fuck, marry, kill. Except you just go and marry Poe and you're done. <laughs> Can you explain that for me? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> self-explanatory he's a human fuck mary kill yeah because you want to fuck him and kill him okay Who wants to fuck him because he's such a shit <laughs> i want to like slap we're him getting in the deep face. into like female <laughs> psychology and why awful boyfriends are picked and all sorts of stuff you feeling all right there jenna <laughs> i've never had a, a boyfriend like that i've had bad boyfriends but but not really that terrible. bad not that not bad. sith bad <laughs> sith bad yeah how about that uh daisy ridley though she was oh my so god good. she's great i loved her and i love that she really was the main character you kind of go in thinking finn is and he kind of isn't and i love finn too both of them yeah. great characters has she been in anything before because i've never seen her in anything. no that's I don't it think she so. was a total unknown you know and i guess my only complaint about her would be something that has nothing to do with her which is i hate the whole like switching out of you know the petite scrunchy faced like gorgeous like English chick that happens like every couple of years, like we just get a new one of those, <laughs> and it, it's always the exact same like body type and look and face and everything. She's not petite. Well, yeah, she's probably like five six, five seven, or whatever. But I um, think she's much taller than that. Really? Thin. Um, thin. But th yeah, thin, scrunchy face, gorgeous. Either that, or the other ones are shorter than I thought. Could be. Oscar Isaac's pretty short because he's the pan. I could cast him as any New Yorker. Yeah. He can be any race in New York City. But I mean, we had Kiera Knightley was that for a while. And we've had different versions Natalie of Portman. that. Yeah. And we, of course, all of these leading up to potentially Ray being related to all of these people. Sure, probably. I mean, most likely. But uh, yeah, point being, it's it's just an unfortunate thing of Hollywood where it's just like, it's become like this is we find this like sort of unknown British chick and then we just jerk off to her for like five years and then we get a new one. <laughs> yeah, when the other one gets too old. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the one thing I might complain about, Ray, I have two, two complaints. And this isn't, this is more about just choices that JJ made. Like, I didn't like that they sort of bring in like, oh, P.S. I've been having dreams about like this place, like halfway through the movie. Like I want, they should have alluded to that sooner. Mm. Like, I just thought that was like a little too convenient. Well, I thought that dream sequence was pretty weak. That, that whole, that whole subplot I thought was a little bungled. Like it's, they should have just come out. It's the same problem he has with a lot of his stuff, that sort of mystery where you don't need one. Yeah, well, she should have just come out and said, that's Luke's daughter, because... Yeah, that's what it, it seems to out. apply, yeah. I did love, I loved how strong she was, especially in compared to, to Rilo Ken. That's the other thing, how great, that their fight, the body language in their fight was fantastic. Well, that was just yeah. pure good acting, Exactly. Too. And especially, like, you, you got that with her in the chair and him, like, over her. You got that same great acting as you got with like their their fight later on. Oh, the chair scene was unbelievable. Chair scene was probably one of the strongest scenes in the film. Yeah. 
That was one of the parts where it felt the least in the shadow of any other movie, you know? Mm. I love how weak he is. <laughs> I love it. Because she's totally untrained, and here he is, like, you know, thinking he's hot shit, and he's just this... Yeah, he's a little bitch. Darth Vader well, fanboy. I mean, he's he's got a height. Son. That's all he's got. He's Leia's son. She's Luke's daughter. Luke got all the fucking force. He's got that good juice. He did have that good juice. Well, good I'm sure juice, when he man. figures his shit out, he'll probably make it better. My other complaint about Ray is that she can speak bleep bloop oh is, yeah you were pointing that that out to me right before we started and i was like i didn't fucking realize that and that's a that's a solid fucking complaint why, why should she not be able to speak bleep bloop because luke doesn't han doesn't nobody no one else except for bloop, c3po bleep bleep. like luke speaks to r2 all the time and you can understand maybe she's r2. c3po's daughter that's the other doesn't, theory <laughs> no doesn't luke speak bleep bloop because he's always talking to he talks to r2, r2 but the only time they actually have a conversation is when he's in the x-wing and he's writing it on the screen no, they talk when he's on Dagobah. Well, like, but they're talking like, you know, oh, no, what do we no, do? And no. he's like, again, he's, they have like a full conversation where they're talking about their plan when he's sitting, when Yoda comes and steals his little, uh, his flashlight that looks like, um, one of those things that they stick the old receipts on. You know what I mean? Those, those pokey <laughs> things. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hot dogs. I, yeah, like they, they, they converse. I want, I want a fact it's, check because I feel like for most of Star Wars, it's so usually... Pretty- him oh, talking we'll to, have to look that up yeah. yeah it's him talking to r2 in a way or asking yes and no questions that are like intuitive enough because you know we don't speak this and we all know r2 is like a sassy little you know wonderful sarcasm yeah but i would i would also buy the fact says. that she's like kind of an autodidact yeah. and was left alone on this place and it's just like learning random shit to not be bored that i can buy so that's the thing I would, it's I like would think of it as she probably deals with little bleep bloopers in the salvage yards you yeah know? yeah i can i can it's okay guys coming around and if if poe can talk to bb-8 looping then i i would i would buy that she could talk to bb-8 and stuff i have to remember if he because i also i feel like it's a lot of like hey can you give me that hey you got something and they're like rawr, rawr, and he's like yeah you know it's yeah. the same way it's i talk just, to my dog yeah, it, yeah it's like having a pet yeah so it's like I, no i don't i don't think it's that like poe there's another one where i think he's like like at the beginning when he's telling him to bleep bloop up out of there. I think it was like <laughs> they were they were planning something. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe dro- I'm misremembering it, but I remember there was like a bit of back and forth. Droids are good li- listeners, it, it seems. You know, like you can tell them shit, and then they'll be like, "All right, yeah." So, no, but I'm pretty sure he like argued with him a little bit. Maybe. Well, I I don't know because it's always very like yes and no, and like I can argue with my dog like day and night. Like we don't speak the same language. I don't know what to say about that. Because they understand human, definitely. It's not like this. This is a, you know, they're, they're ma- machines, you know? I think yeah. it's like speaking Spanish. You know, like not everybody does language. it, but probably like a good... You, you know, just like put an O or an A after the end of English words <laughs> and put L in front of it. No, like probably like a good percent, you know, 30, 20% of Star Wars people probably speak bleep bloop, especially if you're on the border town. Mm. That's you know, possible. Like, it didn't seem that uncommon. But Luke didn't. But then, then again, Luke's a nerf herd. Luke was so. a piece of shit. He didn't know anything. <laughs> I think he spoke it. No, he didn't in the first one. No, he doesn't in the first one. And then but after he a while, does by the second one. Mm, I have to rewatch. We gotta, we gotta check it out. But uh, I guess uh, one big complaint, I would say, like the last third of the movie, there was an opportunity for like good space fight stuff when they were going to do what they had to do with like blowing up the planet destroyer or whatever Death it was Star called. Death Star 3.0? Yeah, what the fuck was that called? It was it was called ah. something dumb, but I forget Star what it was. Star Killer. Star Killer. Which was the original <laughs> last name of Luke Skywalker. Wow. 
That would have been too on the nose. Kylo Ren definitely named that shit. <laughs> it was like his. Nine well, that was the name nails. of his band first. Yeah. He had a band called Star Killer, and he named it after it. And they did Nine Inch Nails covers. <laughs> he probably read. He probably read, read the making of Star Wars and knew that <laughs> name was Anakin and Star Killer. Was like, all right, I got it. Yeah, but I I think they had an opportunity for better like space fight stuff, and it just wasn't there. Like, yeah, that, I didn't love that. Yeah, it was weirdly like it was either too video gamey or not video gamey enough. You know, mm. where you had like the objective that you had to hit and it even like popped out and glowed for a second on their screen. But then, you know, they sort of like half-ass it in the middle and they just let everybody stay in stasis for 20 minutes and not die while everybody fights on the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? The best dogfight stuff was like pretty much towards the beginning, just like chasing yes. around. Yeah. Like that was it. Yeah. That, and I the, wanted the it to lead up to something huge. Sorry, what'd you say? The escape in the Millennium Falcon was great. Yeah, and I I saw that and I was thinking, all right, well, towards the end, we're going to get something huge and big with like lots of space fighting. Not so much. Yeah, it was weird because the um, the original three. Well, yeah, I guess if you count Hoth, the original three, they all have. It's always very linear. Yeah, you know, it's always there on one side. The bad guys are in the middle, and the objective is on the opposite side. You know, and they have to run through them to get to it. Yeah, and this. It wasn't really like that, which is why it felt video gamey to me. Then, you know, like it feel like it feels like they half committed to that new approach where you're sort of swarmed on all sides, which is um, they could have done something cool with it. But I think it felt like that was perfunctory. It felt like they were much more interested in uh, the stuff on the ground. Oh, definitely. Which I was, too. But, you know, I don't know. I think you need they, that they stuff there another, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They should take another pass at it. How did you guys feel about the fact that they really just redid A New Hope in a lot of ways? I think, like, clearly they were trying to play it safe again so that, like, you know, wait, if you don't like this, but it, it looks like, you know, it felt yeah. very, like, just 100% playing it safe. And it's everything just, to play it, safe was a little bit of a letdown, but not bad. I don't blame them for playing safe because, right. you know, after after the last three, they they really had to. Their, their hand was forced. It, it was like they just have to do something correctly. They have to go from point A to point B without like wavering from the line. Like they just need to get there safely. And then maybe eight, and nine, they can do more interesting stuff with it. But like, they just had to land this one. Like so much was riding on it. Like $5 billion investment was, was riding on. I think it was like 10 billion or something. Well, it, was, horrible. it was bought for 5 billion. Oh, all right. Yeah. And so like with that behind it, it's like, we, we, let's just take it the the route that worked right yeah but i mean lord of the rings isn't just borrowing the hobbit story even though structurally it's the same framework yeah and you star know, like wars is always, about repetition yeah there, there always is that um high fantasy story well lord of the that's rings what the, that's what this was invented to be this whole series was a um was the classic high fantasy journey moved into a different genre Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, I, I, that, that comparison, I mean, clearly, like, you know, get from point A to point B is the, the plot of the both of them. But, like, but I mean, I, even there's enough variation, it's like everybody's bought by in this one, even the idea of the Hobbit entering the, um, the, the, the group with the um, veterans from a different race. You know, people don't say that uh, that Bilbo and Frodo have the same story. But for some reason, Ray and Luke, it's it's like a big uproar now for people. Well, I didn't mind so much that she was like on a desert planet stuff. It's just like, I, you know what? Uh, the Death Star thing kind of annoyed me. And not like, again, it was yeah. enjoyable, 
But it was just like, that's the climax. We've seen that twice already. And that's yeah. also the number one reason. And this is why everyone can suck my dick is why everyone says, Oh, return of the Jedi blows It's the same fucking plot. Like, well, you better hate the, this new one because fuck you. Return of the Jedi blows for a lot more than the fact that no, it doesn't. It has the same ending. <laughs> um, and Return of the Jedi, it's not the same at all in the end. It's, it's the, the mechanics of it are totally different. That's like the best part of Return of the Jedi. But um, this one, I mean, it felt like they just didn't do that. But then it felt like they didn't have a better idea, so they just kind of gave you, you know, the planet killer again, and hoped they could minimize its presence in the movie. You know what I did like about this Death Star is that women were working on it for the first time. You notice that? Yeah. Yeah, Gwendolyn Christie. Well, not even her, but just like little people. They were very good about that with this one. Definitely. And Gwendolyn Christie, I wish we had seen more of her. I hope we, I'm I'm assuming we will. will. Yeah. I'm afraid she's going to be like Grand Moff Tarkin, you know, where you like kind of wish she was in the others, but she she isn't. I'm a little worried. I liked her a lot. I'm afraid they're going to get rid of her. My my hot take is that uh, Luke Skywalker and her made uh, Ray, and I'm basing that because that's probably the only person that could have of the people. <laughs> it's like she's she's female and she's strong, so that's who I'm going with. No, whoever <laughs> Luke banged is the one in the grave at the end. Oh yeah, the grave, right? Yeah. Well, there's there's some like expanded universe. He has some, Sarah Jane. Yeah, I was gonna say, but you know, maybe that I'm I'm assuming that Rilo Kylie killed her. It could have been anybody. It could have been John Travolta. I think the mom is the dead lady in the shot that looked exactly like Highlander. Because <laughs> I was expecting Princes of the Universe to play at the end. I mean, that was mad Highlander. Yeah, that was... It's not a criticism. No, no, no. Highlander is fun. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen Father Ted, the TV show? No. Because they have a similar opening theme that looks like that, those craggy islands. Oh, yeah. I've seen a Highlander, the TV series. Yeah, well, you know, who With wants to Duncan live forever, McLeod John? Instead of Connor McLeod. Wasn't as good. How'd you guys uh how'd you guys feel about the music? Because I feel like uh John Williams kinda had to dial it back and play it safe. Yeah, and the music I for It's very just, generic and whatever. I Nothing. didn't think much of it and then I started listening to it after the movie just on YouTube. Oh yeah. It's really good. Okay. I think I was just too distracted with everything else to notice it. Well, with, with you, should, you should give it another listen. Yeah, with rewatching the prequels, the thing that I've taken away from it more than anything is that the the music in the prequels is fucking phenomenal. I mean, yeah, and it's just not repeated at like sporting events and stuff, so you don't, you know, you're, it's not dog-eared in your brain as much as the original tracks. Yeah, the the love theme for Anakin and Padme and Attack the Clones is is phenomenal. Duel of the Fates and and Phantom Menace is great. There are these great key themes and all the incidental stuff like throughout is great too. I just, I mean, those films, however bad people think they are, the, the music, bad. the music is fucking solid. Listen, listen to Ray's theme again. You can find it on YouTube. It's, it's real good. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. But I didn't, yeah, I didn't notice it at the time either. I think because, you know, I was so wrapped up and everything. Yeah. I mean, I that's probably 77. Like you probably noticed the theme song, but. Like some of the, the the deep cuts off the original soundtrack. I wonder how many times it took for those to become really famous. Mm. Do you guys think that Han's going to come back as Gandalf the White? No. God, no. <laughs> He's been wanting out of that series for so long. Yeah, no. I, I, he clearly signed on just so he could be killed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I was surprised there was so much Han in the movie until he died. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why. And then I was really sad. I was really sad. I was that, sad, but I kind of I kind of wanted a little less of him in the film because I liked all these characters. 
I want a little more of everyone. Listen, I went to see Star Trek Generations in theaters in 1994. So I've now had to sit there and watch Captain Kirk and Han Solo die in front of me on the big screen. Man. It's not a great feeling. How come either time him and him and Leo, their scenes together. I was so I was so happy about it, but I felt like they were both at like 40 percent. They seemed and they seemed really like that's why also it kind of even clued into like just how much their son is a disappointment that they were both so like he didn't even kiss her. He gives her like this sort of half hug and like kind of pets her head. Right. But we never saw them like have to actually like live with each other. So I thought it kind of made sense that they were kind of like. There's a little bit of distance. She seemed a little too friendly about that, though. I almost wanted her a little more angry, but she seemed at peace. Well, she, yeah, he, he was setting it up like, oh, she's going to be really angry. And I guess, you yeah, know. she wasn't. Yeah. I loved R2 in low power mode. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. I think the loudest out of anything. Well, Yo, BB-8 is no R2, by the way. No, he isn't. He's he fine. does not have what it takes. He's cute. He's fine, but he's, he's no R2. I mean, I, if somebody wants to give me one, I'd take a fully operational BB-8, sure. But yeah, he's no R2. He doesn't have that R2 swagger. Also, every Star Wars movie, I'm shocked anew about how big R2 is. Yeah. I think because of the toys, he was always, you know, like half size. No, he's a big fucking droid. Yeah, he's, a, he's a tank. You can't fit him in like an overhead compartment. No, he's a wide load. Yeah. He's a keg with a little head. <laughs> I liked how, how BB-8 doesn't really fit in the X-Wings. He was like, yeah. yeah, like versus like R2. And it just felt that felt very like you're looking at your old iPhone or your old iPod or something. And it's so clunky <laughs> looking. <laughs> Yo, how did you feel about the stupid map thing where it was like they had this like one tiny piece of the map missing? Like, why don't you just fly around there for a little while? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, they, that's all they wanted was this tiny chunk. Yeah. They had the rest of the map. They knew where the uh, the fucking arrow was pointing well, they didn't, and whatnot. Because he was in low power mode. So they said this was a whole part of the galaxy they didn't even know. So they only had the little bit. Oh, they only had the little bit. Yeah, from BB. Oh, I thought they only. <laughs> I thought it was the opposite. I thought they had the big bit. And well, they needed the little bit. That was the thing is after R2 was like, oh, shit, uh, uh, here's the map. They could have been like, that's fine. Like they didn't need BB-8 at that point. <laughs> they like gave you the reveal in reverse order by accident. You should have been sitting there staring at the BB-8 piece. Right. And then R2 should have rolled over and put that thing in it instead right. of yeah, yeah. starting with R2 and then little BB-8 rolls over. That's what confused know? me, yeah. Like that shot was in the wrong order. They also, um, you know, I don't know anybody else who came away with, with my reaction to it, so I'm probably just a dumbass. But I thought that Finn died. And then when he was like laying down, like, and she was like, oh, until we meet again or whatever, I thought she's talking about like, oh, in the afterlife or whatever. Yeah, and he, because they yell, they yell, he's still got a pulse. Yeah. Rolling him out of the fucking thing. I, I missed that part. But um, he was laying there and he was like very clearly breathing. And I was like, I can't believe they left this shot in of him <laughs> very clearly breathing. It's like, uh, they couldn't have just like fucking CGI'd it so he looked more dead. Because <laughs> I'm a moron. Oh, I like I like old John Blagojevich or whatever his name is. John Boyega. Blagojevich. <laughs> You're thinking of Rob Bl- Blagojevich. No, I'm thinking of that uh, disgraced politician. Yeah, that's Rob Blagojevich. Oh, is it Rob? Yeah. I can't remember his name. All I, all I remember is is actually John Stewart saying his name. It's like Blagojevich. But um, he was great. I like that character a lot. Actually, I'm happy he's continuing because he gives you that Luke element. You know, yeah. he's like the innocent. But he's like, so much better than Luke was in, in A New Hope. I did well, it's want... funny, their, their layout, pretty much, if you think about it, Luke is split up between Finn and Rey, 
Yeah. And then like everybody thinks Oscar Isaac's Han, but he's not. He's really Lando. So they got two Lukes and a Lando. Which is pretty good. Uh, this is another band. If yeah, you've got that. That's in, not a bad situation. Yeah, that's a good hand in poker. Yeah, you can work with that. Mm. Yeah, I really, I wanted a little more backstory and I'm assuming that we'll get it for as to why Finn just flipped out suddenly. Like they kind of, they, they gave too slow of a reveal for that where like you get through like, you know, what, like how long of him going on a planet deserting and then coming back until finally he's like, oh, I, I just work for sanitation and then they just kind of shove me down there. Well, doesn't everybody he think out. he's like Lando's kid or something? Isn't that the... That's just racism. <laughs> no, that just sounds mad racist. That, that's the theory I've been reading. I mean, I guess, I guess it's uh, that's the theory of a racist. There's got <laughs> to be more than two black people in this galaxy. There's got to be. Plus, like if they're all everybody's kid, let's just calm down. Yeah, that's yeah. a little too much. We need some people that aren't part of that bloodline. It's like how the prequels just kept putting everything back on the same planets, and it's that's the worst thing about those movies. Like, just let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. Which actually reminded me that the desert in this. I thought it was cool that they went to a planet that wasn't Tatooine. Didn't love the fact that it looked exactly like Tatooine. I think they should have, instead of going back to Tunisia, they should have shot in like the Mojave or something, you know? Yeah, like a different style yeah, desert. Yeah, a desert, like a little different look to it. I like the how she was set up where she's like, you know, scavenger. The Gobi? The Gobi could have been cool. Gobi's a good desert. I like that she was just kind of like, like looking around at like old shit from like the old movies. I want to eat the her bread. Atacama? At a con, out of what? That's in uh, South America. It's Atta a good-looking desert. At a comma, you said. Yeah. Who wants to eat that bread that you just put oh, like me. a little thing and you put some water and it's like a big old bread? Yeah. Oh, looks, that was cool bread. That'd, that'd be like my a, breakfast every day. Not a lot of movies they come out of and say that was cool bread. One of the best breads in movie dumb ever. And the other thing she was making didn't look bad either. <laughs> Whatever she was frying up. Yeah, she was. I would have sold that little soccer ball motherfucker to make all the space bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have a nice space bread feast. I like that the whole line behind her was like, oh, yeah. When he was like, ah, oh, sixty bread or whatever. <laughs> 60, sixty bread. Sixty breads. <laughs> sixty breads. <laughs> like that's a that's lot a, of bread. Straight up Olive Garden. Yeah, dude, she could open one. Yeah, she could yeah. open up a bread store on that. And, and and forget this whole force shit. Yeah, yeah. She could have been an entrepreneur. Just a commercial for Olive small Garden. business. Wash uh, <laughs> some olives out there. You thin it a little bit. You could straight up open an Olive Garden off that. Yeah. Definitely. All right, we're gonna take a uh, quick break, and we'll be right back with more Star Wars <laughs> discussion. But we we kind of covered everything we needed to. Well, right? let's. What, how about like? All right, final thoughts. Final on thoughts. Star Wars? Yeah, we'll we'll enough Star Wars. We'll go on to something else. But uh, I feel like I've been talking about this movie just with everybody for so long that. By this time, I almost feel like I've run out of things to say about it. Do you yeah. have that feeling too? Yeah, a little bit. Well, I'm I'm a little burnt out on it. I mean, I probably have to see it again before it goes out of theaters. Yeah, me too. Right. But in like a month, maybe. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I need to see it like in the next week or two. Jenna, final thoughts. Go. I really I like the movie, but I, I like I'm really almost like three stars out of five. Like it was it was totally enjoyable, but it didn't change my life. It excited me. Like and and only because I Were love you all these. Expecting it to change your life a little bit. Is that the game plan? No, but like you know, I was I was ready to like it. I was ready to be into it. I, I'm not. I didn't go in cynically. You know, maybe I I was a little reserved about it. Like I'm not like I wasn't like buying tickets a month in advance and showing up dressed as a Wookiee. But like, you know, the new characters are great. The casting was so good that I'm super excited for what. And I'm hoping that by the next episode. 
like they're gonna they're gonna like you know they already got all this like safe shit out of the way so now they can really delve into well, it well we got one before it remember well you there's know? the rogue one yeah this time really excited this time one. next year we'll have that little like apartif well that'll be interesting too but i you know like i i'm that has the best director of all of them i don't know anything about it actually i, I know who's it's doing that out. one that's ryan johnson no ryan johnson's eight I thought he was doing Rogue One. No, he's doing he's doing eight. Oh wow, that's cool. All right, let me Google this. Oh wait, I didn't realize JJ's not doing all of them. You didn't oh, know? Gareth Edwards is doing Rogue One, which is still you know I want to see it's that. Good. Yeah. yeah, Godzilla was good. Monsters was good. I'll scope that out. Wait, I'm super happy JJ's not doing all of them. You thought he was doing all of them? I just assumed it because they made this big deal about him. No, they're switching them out every single one. The third that's one's awesome. Gonna be awful. I'll tell you right now, it's Colin Trevorrow. It's going to be bad. Yeah, it's going to be terrible. Damn. He's the Richard Marquand. <laughs> Maybe Ryan Johnson will be there, Irvin Kirshner. Oh, I hope so. You haven't even seen Breaking Bad yet. You don't know shit about Ryan Johnson. I could hope. <laughs> that's my that's my new hope is is Ryan Johnson. You have two years to watch his Breaking Bad episodes. Yeah, I could probably do that in two years. It's real good. All right. So you said three out of five. I'll go three and a half out of five. John, where are you inkling as far as ranking this? I have a four, four and a half. Yeah. I think it was wonderfully cast and the cinematography was just beautiful. This the set design I liked a lot. I really liked how meticulous they were about grounding everything in like a real place. You know, even when he's given that speech about how we're the bad guys and we're really bad. <laughs> you know, you could see like the the little snow melting in the background, you know. Yeah. It's a small thing, but those little touches I think really were sorely missing from science fiction post Battlestar. Mm. I really appreciated them. One thing um, I uh, really dug that I just want to get in before we go to break is, uh, you know, wh when they did that first teaser trailer for this, everybody was complaining about uh, a Kylo Ren's lightsaber, how it had the little like bonus bits on the side. And uh, everyone's like, flare. yeah, everyone was like, oh, that's dumb. It's just like ornamental bullshit that doesn't mean anything. But in this movie, like, you know, for the most of it, you're thinking, oh, it's just like this ornamental shit that this like teenage like dork added on to look cool but then in that final fight he actually you realize that it actually has a purpose because in close oh, yeah, jabbing him with it yeah in close quarters when you're like all like you know tied up you can sort of rotate and like get somebody's wrist with a little bit of the lightsaber and i like that they gave it a reason to exist beyond the fact like oh it's, he's just a dick and he wants to have like an ornamental thing that nobody has like it had yeah, that added level to that, it um Return of the Jedi, the green lightsaber, destroyed lightsabers for the rest of the time because they all had to have a cool new one. Yeah. I'm really going town on a cookie right now. Good cookies, huh? The rest oh. of my thoughts are going to be hard to get out. But the pacing, I thought, was exceptional, even though the um, scenes themselves, I wasn't blown away with some of them. I think uh, beginning was great. It sort of flagged in the middle. It picked up towards the end. And I think um, I'm excited to see where they go when they start to risk a little more. Mm -hmm. But it met pretty much most of my expectations. Some aspects of it, including the casting, exceeded my expectations. And um, I don't know. I liked it a lot. I think it's my third favorite of the series behind the first two, which isn't saying a hell of a lot because I don't like Jedi that much and I hate the other three. And of the three Return from the Dead sequels this year, which I would say were Fury Road and Creed in this. It's probably my least favorite of them, but like not by much. Not mm. by much at all. We didn't even talk about General Snooker. Oh yeah, he looks like shit. He looked bad. Is that the Emperor all burnt up? No. 
I was trying to place it and like I couldn't figure out. Everybody thinks I'm crazy, but here's my thing. Either it's just some weird space lizard, which fine. He's a it Sith guy. But like, who else would know all that stuff? I figure it, my, my theory is that's the Emperor after getting all jacked up at the end of Jedi, getting zapped and thrown and buffeted around. I think that's what's left to him. Maybe. Tell you and my theory. Weird creep now. My theory is that because that was a hologram, he's in real life, he's probably as big as Yoda. And he's probably just like the dark version of Yoda. That's not bad. I was annoyed that it was a hologram because I just liked the idea of it being just like a weird giant guy who lived in the cave in their ship. See, I didn't like that. I feel like giants don't fit into Star Wars. I yeah, hate it was to- a little weird. They don't play with scale enough, though, you know? Like, now and again, they do, and it looks really cool, like the Rancor and everything. Yeah. And I wish they would start playing with that a bit more. They're big on making things smaller, but you don't really get much bigger. I, saw, I thought he looked terrible, and then I went up and on the internet and looked at like what the character designs were for him and of course they were way better that's what my look like he just looks he almost like it's kind of similar to you still there yeah i was closing my cookie thing because okay. i've been eating too many it, he looks kind of similar to what they did with um that movie the box where they had a uh, what's his face his face half gone that's Are you of, describing the movie batman 2 where they had aaron eckhart's face half gone I'm thinking of the mouth of Sauron right now. Oh, no. Frank, Frank Langella in the box. That's what it is. Frank Langella's face is like half gone. It doesn't quite look like the, the Dark Knight thing. It looks like. Oh, different. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. That's Weird. what that's what Snoopy Snip or whatever his name. Snoke. It's Snoke. Snoke. That's what he's he looked like. And then they went in a different direction with it. And it looked pretty cool when they were I playing around with it. I wait with that kind of character anymore you know sorry what'd you say i feel like there's no win with that kind of character anymore you know there's it's just like any way you do that it's gonna be old hat i guess well there was a lot of like revealing there was a lot of like anti-secret secrets in this movie you know there was like every time you thought like ah it's gonna be a reveal they were like they revealed it you know it was that and that's part of that like jj like jumping ahead of you like oh wait no don't get bored wait here you go oh let's move on wait quick don't stop look like you know, like this, and he didn't feel mysterious, you know, and like the emperor was so great because it's just this like creepy old dude in shadow. Whereas this was like, you have this, instead of being like in shadow, it, he was huge. You could see every inch of him, which well, is the why. Emperor huge the uh, first time you saw him too, don't forget, in Empire. But at least he had like a hood on. <laughs> yeah. But that, you know, he had the same thing where it was the giant hologram. Right. So, I wish it would just be a giant. I think like, he's when a I realized it was a hologram, I was like, all right, that's we did this. He looks like uh, Yoshi in that live action Mario movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to go to break. We'll be back with uh, talking about the pre make, and we're going to do a voicemail. So see you soon. Hello, Smug Film fans. Did you know that Smug Film now has a voicemail box? Just call the following phone number. Seven one eight three nine five nine seven one one, and leave a question or a comment about the show along with your name, and we may play it on a future episode. Thank you for listening, and now back to the show. I really wanted to know, you know, I I didn't really know who Bill Weasley's character was, you know, um, Dom Hall. Gleason or Domhnall Gleason, who's in every movie, and I don't remember him except for as Bill Weasley. But uh, I like I, he was an interesting character. I like that power struggle, and I liked um, that idea that you see him. He's like saddled with that angsty teenager, and he doesn't really know how to deal with it because yeah. he can kill him. Yeah, this is like a big J.J. Abrams problem. I'm noticing because 
Star Trek Into Darkness did the same thing, and it was part of what tanked it. I would have had rather the bad guys be just Rilo Kiley and Bill Weasley. Mm. Because um, Admiral Snopes just, I, I mean, like I said, that's been done to death. And it was the same thing in Into Darkness where um, you had Admiral Robocop, who was awesome in his whole fight with Kirk, and he had his daughter in it, and it was like there was a lot going on. And then for some reason, he just threw a bone to the old movies and added Khan and threw off the whole dynamic. Mm. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, because I don't think it threw off the whole thing or anything, but, you know, it was like a smaller scale problem on the le- on the on the path of that disaster. Did you see the trailer for the new Star Trek, by the way? Dude, it looks so bad. It looked it, like a 20 minute episode, like a, a trailer for a 20 minute like episode of something. Simon. That one and the and the new Batman trailer look like the SNL parodies of themselves. Like yeah. I didn't think they were real at first. Simon Pegg came out and said that that trailer is like not at all the movie that he made. Like, yeah, I heard that. that so that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, but who knows what they're cutting with it? You know. I mean, this is I'm I'm not a big fan of Fast and the Furious, as you guys all know. Like I I don't hate it, but I just don't really get it. And like so, I, you know, it just seems like it's going in line again with what I didn't really like about J.J. Abrams' remake of Star Trek, which is he turned it into Star Wars and made it too actiony for me. And this just seems like they're taking that one step further. So I don't know. It I, seems like I, the logical. This is what you got. This is what you nerds get. <laughs> I love Justin Lin's Fast and the Furious movies, but. I don't know that they're a good fit because when you look at what all the problems of the the later Star Trek movies are, that whole like family against everybody and this is our destiny vibe of the Fast and the Furious movies is like moving well in the wrong direction, mm. you know? I think Matt Zoller sites or, or, or one of these guys on Twitter had some mention about, um, you know, yeah, it's off brand, but it's been off brand. So what do you guys expect? <laughs> And See, I don't like, agree yeah. with that. I don't think the first movie, the first remake, was off-brand at all. First remake was the only one of them to remind me of the original series. I like that movie, and I don't know dick about Star Trek, and I, I sat down and I enjoyed myself thoroughly. It's it enjoyable, me a but... lot of the original series. It reminded me of Operation Annihilate and the Corbomite Maneuver and a little bit of Balance of Terror, but mostly, you know, the sort of Enterprise incident, the more like run-and-gun ones. They always had that vibe, I think. The second one didn't remind me of the show at all. It had some moments to it. I don't hate either of those movies. I, I also enjoy them, and I'm going to go see them. It's like, I love Star Trek. I hated the second one. I, I mean, I, I saw it. I haven't watched it since, but I hate their casting of Spock. I hate what's-his-face. He's terrible. Quinto? Yeah. I think he's okay. I think there's too much Spock in the movies. There's I way too much Spock. He's too emotional. What was bullshit is, it's cool if, like, the first one's a Spock movie, you know, and and that's kind of your way in. But then the second one has to be a Kirk or a McCoy or a Uhura movie, you know? Right. You got to keep moving because there's seven or eight people there and you can't just keep doing Spock. Like, where the fuck was McCoy in any of those ones? He gets he gets his, uh, my continuation of FML McCoy yeah. in that last one where he saves yeah. everyone's life and then they're like, thanks, Spock. I was going to say he's yeah. on Twitter. Follow him at <laughs> FML Mccoy. And by the he's way... He's not only the best character in the show, he's the best cast. He's the best cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. By the way, speaking of Twitter... Follow at Bobby Slow, our sponsor. He played BB-8 in Star Wars. Jay Brenner? Yeah. He did? He might not have known that. Yeah, he did. It's a little Star Wars fact. Yeah, he was tweeting about it for months. He well, said, he's... I'm BB-8 in the feature film Star Wars. <laughs> well, he's got a lot of followers on Twitter, and you can be one, too, if you follow him at Bobby Slow. Let's, uh, you got a tweet from him, Jenna? Yeah, here's a tweet. 
He says, congrats. Is it the one where it says, I'm BB-8? It's the one after that, where he uh, says, congrats to the new Miss Universe, the dentist who killed the lion. I don't get that one. That's who Miss Universe is. What? I'll give you another one. Give me one I get. Here's, some, here's a good fact. Yeah? This isn't a tweet, but Jay Brenner also runs on Facebook, which you should absolutely follow, a wonderful, wonderful Facebook group, which is called When It Loads. I wanted to get it right. It's called When It Loads. That's a, actually a beautiful name. That's very elegant. That's it's yeah, called. That, he's really picking it up these days. Huh? Yeah, that it, sounds like a like a Pulitzer Prize winner. It's actually better than that. It's called Cows Are the Silent Jury in the Trial of Mankind. Oh Jesus! And that's all it is. I could get in on that. So go on Facebook, type in "Cows Are the Silent Jury in the Trial of Mankind," <laughs> and then like it, and he'll he'll update it regularly just to say that cows are the silent jury in the trial of mankind. Right on, Jay. And we are also sponsored by Minor Key Games. You guys play these games yet? Hey, you know what? I'm looking at something about them on the old internet.web right now. Yeah? Super Win the Game is 85% off for the next 12 days. Holy shit. At piratehearts.itch, like your scratchy itch.io, slash super-win-the-game. And that's my favorite one. Buck 19 USD. Buck 19 to play my favorite thing. I really like how you said super dash wins dash the dash game. <laughs> that was like a song. I know, it was beautiful. So yeah, go pick when that one up. Pick that one up. Pick up the other ones. You got your Eldritch. You got your Neon Struct. You got your uh, You Have to Win the Game. These are all good games. Super Win the Game is my favorite. Buy it for a buck 19. Come on, guys. It's good. I took over my life. I love that game. And also, I really like how J. Kyle Pittman... <laughs> One half of the twins that makes up of uh, minor key games. Yeah, Dave David Pittman. J- Kyle changed one. his Twitter name to um, J Kylo Pittren, and I think that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Super dash win dash the dash game. Right on. Piratehearts.itch.io. And uh, while we were recording this episode, I actually got a message from our third sponsor, Rick Harper. Sup, Rick. And he sent us a message saying, yeah, we love the harps. He says, I'm on a road trip and need more smug. Where the fuck is the new episode? It's right here right now. Yeah, we're recording it, guy. We took a week off for uh, Christmas break. We're recording this now. So you'll you'll be hearing this on the 28th. And uh, we I, I sent it back. I said, we're recording one right now. Took an extra break. He said, you deserve it. Looking forward to hearing. Isn't he the sweetest... What, what a guy. Gentleman. What a gentleman. And if you want to find out more about Rick Harper, go check out his awesome film that's coming out, roomfullofspoons.com. Go there. Roomful of Spoons is a documentary on The Room. He interviewed all the people involved with The Room, and it's a very thorough exploration of that cult favorite. You guys like The Room, right? Love it. I've actually been working for a long time on a documentary about the origin of spoons, and he stole the title that I was going to use. <laughs> God damn it, Rick. So, you know, maybe less of a gentleman than we thought. Mm, kind of cutthroat. Yeah. So but he- it's going to be good, I think, his. Probably better than my spoons movie about spoons and, you know, who thought of them. Who thought of putting a depression into a piece of wood. Why don't you call it spoons and who thought of them? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good name. Spoons to electric spoon. What? We keep trying to make this happen, and it's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Electric right. Oogaloo is passe now. Nuh-uh. It is yeah. kind of passe, Jenna. 
Jenna two electric boogaloo. Yeah, see, it just We're gonna have to workshop a new one. It's it's a tired joke. Jenna, the good one would be Jenna to just do too fast, too furious at the end. Jenna is underrated. Yeah, too fast, too furious to be forgotten. Just be Jenna's. That's gonna be the alien and aliens. The coffee table book uh, on Fast and Furious. What? Too fast, too furious to be forgotten. Okay. All right, so we got a voicemail here from a uh, voicemailer from a week or so ago, and uh, let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Smug Film. It's Andy Anderson. I'm calling again already to tell you a story about why I have tended to shy away from my real name and the beautiful alliteration thereof. That seemed to be a hot topic in your response to my last voicemail. So uh, a number of years ago, a little uh, romantic comedy came out called How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, starring Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson. And you may or may not recall that Kate Hudson's character in this movie was named Andy Anderson. Now, I was in like junior high or high school when this movie came out, and... uh, the fact that Kate Hudson's character's name was Andy Anderson caused me a lot of grief all through high school because this stupid fucking movie was uh, pretty popular when I was in high school. And so anytime I introduced myself, especially to uh, girls, they would go, oh my gosh, that's, have you seen How It Was a Guy in 10 Days? Kate Hudson, that's so funny that your name's Andy Anderson. And it got to the part that happened so often that my best friend thought it was so funny that I, I got into the habit of just introducing myself by my first name only, and he wouldn't let it go. He'd be like, yeah, his name's Andy Anderson. You know, like, how to lose a guy in 10 days, Andy Anderson. Isn't that funny? And so that it got burned into my brain somehow from that experience that my name was, like, the Andy Anderson was, a, like, a silly name because they named this dumb character in this stupid romantic comedy, Andy Anderson. And and obviously, like, no one remembers that movie anymore, and no one associates my name with that movie. But it's just been so burned into my brain that I'm, I'm just, like, I'm, I've been, like, wired to just, like, be embarrassed about my name and about the alliteration of it. And I, I think that story is a, is a testament to the power of film as a medium, both culturally... And personally, because even though this movie was like a dumb little movie and nobody remembers it anymore, at the time it was popular enough to literally change the meaning of my name. And then like well after everyone else forgot about it, I still remember and like still have this like knee-jerk reaction to shy away from my own name and the alliteration thereof. Because I associate it with this traumatic social experience from my teenage years. So, and that's not necessarily the only reason why I have a stage name. Like everyone and every member of my band has a stage name. And that's obviously nothing new in the in the music biz either. Anyway, I thought you might find that interesting. And that concludes another long-winded voicemail from Andy Anderson. Thank you. All right. Andy Anderson, very much affected in his personal life by... Uh... By a shitty movie. I think about that sometimes, like when when they have these really generic names. But I think about that with real life when like someone's a murderer and they're named like John Smith and you're like, oh man. 
Yeah, but they, that's why they use the middle name for murderers and serial killers usually is to like specify it because like Mark Chapman's like running around like just living his life and then you know another Mark Chapman oh, does I've met something. Mark Chapman's yeah. So they have to be Mark David Chapman, you know, when they talk about them and shit like that. There's got to be another Mark David Chapman. You know, the I'm closest, sure there is. Yeah. The closest I have to this is in the Mask. Uh, Jim Carrey's character is named Stanley Ipkiss. Oh yeah. Which uh, was thrilling for me because I loved Jim Carrey in The Mask as a child. And my last name's Ipcar, which is close enough. Yeah, that's Ipcar-ish. Now I have a whole line of zip cars, so it's fine. Mm. Yeah, you're the uh, the zip car uh, <laughs> the, the maven. The, the, <laughs> the heir to the, the zip car fortune. Uh, actually, my... me because my birth name is George R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so people have a lot of assumptions. Well, they if come you... up to me and they yell at me, have, why haven't you finished your book? And I'm like, well... Come on, guys. Well, if you Google John Namiko, you'll get a bunch of other stuff, right? Yeah, I'm like number like fucking seven or something. Yeah. I mean, there have been some heavy hitters. Like in the real estate industry or something? Like, <laughs> who's the no, top? No, a former head of the Gambino crime family was named John D'Amico. That's right. Oh. And a, an ice hockey guy, apparently. Yeah, and a, a hockey player. A few others. Cody is a guy that reviews movies. Yeah, man. I interviewed him on the show. Go back and listen to the... The Cody Clark versus Cody Clark episode. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty incredible. To to come on that one, by the way, everybody. And I said, I wouldn't do it for the same reason I wouldn't help build his pyramid. <laughs> Just to get that on the public record. Well, Andy Anderson, thank you for uh, chiming in, of course. And I, I'm sorry that we brought up such a... <laughs> <laughs> Painful memory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we were just having some fun, you know, teasing you for your, your drop in the alliteration. We didn't realize you had a, a very valid and... Uh, you know, excuse for doing that in a very harrowing, harrowing experience. Uh, it's it's only because it happened in junior high. Yeah. If this happened to you like now, it would be like slightly annoying, but then you wouldn't give a shit. But junior high is brutal as fuck. It's, for, it's uh, the formation of you as a person those years. It's the formation of everyone being a dick. <laughs> yeah. So Andy, sorry that we, we, we dug that up. I'm sure you <laughs> thought you were through with it. And uh, we come out and we, we just bring that back into light and, it singes you a bit. And now everyone knows. Yeah, now everybody knows. I mean, our millions of <laughs> listeners right now are going to be teasing him again. Yeah, they're all going to call you up. So, John, let's talk about the pre-make. All right. Tell us about the pre-make. We've, we've released this on uh, smugfilm.com. You can go check out the pre-make. It's up there right now. But uh, for the uninitiated, what is the Star Wars pre-make that you have made? You tell me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the Star Wars pre-make is Star Wars A New Hope 1977 created using pre-1977 media. So you got your art, you got your film, you got your TV, you got your music. As long as it's pre-1977 and it works, he's retelling A New Hope with just that footage and showing you the influence it has had on Star Wars and also, you know, just the coincidental uh, influence and the uh, sort of Maybe it was rattling around in George Lucas's brain and he didn't realize it kind of influenced. Well, also just, you know, the way we tell stories, the way we kind of yeah, will tell the same story over and over for thousands of years. Yeah, it was fun. It took a long time. It was an idea I had a long time ago. Long time ago, I had this idea, like 2010, and I wasn't going to do it. And then a new Star Wars movie was coming out, and I was like, well, I guess I should do it. When did you start this? So I did it. I think I started editing it, like, what, like three months ago? Is that why? Wait, when, but when did you start the project in general? Like three months ago. Oh, that was it. I had the idea a long time ago. 
That's but crazy you know, that then, you did this in three months. Well, you knew some context. You knew some stuff, and you put some stuff up on Shot Context like a while back. Yeah, but no video. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, I was just sort of, screenshot comparisons. Yeah. That's nuts. I mean, it's super impressive. Everyone has to, yeah, this to watch is, it. This is the full movie, folks. It's if you're crazy. He did the entire film with it took pre, a while. Yeah, it pre was, 1977 uh, stuff. People seem to really like it. A few people told me that it made them cry. Me, I said that. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Why? It's fucking beautiful. Moments made me laugh. Moments made me tear up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to have like a nice mix. Of like, I mean, like you could probably do the whole thing just using Kurosawa and Flash Gordon, but I, I wanted it to have, you know, some spunk to it. So I tried to make some of it unpredictable and mm. some of it funny. And I even like through the clips, I would say break the fourth wall twice. Right. Once at the end and once near the middle. What's your What's your favorite part of the movie, John? Of the movie Star Wars or of the thing I did? Of the pre-make. I really like the little clip from The Little Prince that I use when C-3PO is wandering around Tatooine and he passes the skeleton of that giant worm. Mm. Um, at first, it was like a painting from uh, the first cover of Dune because it was like a sandworm, but it didn't really look right. And it always annoyed me that I couldn't get it right. And then I remembered the little prince when he's walking in the desert and he passes the giant fish skeleton. Yeah. So it's that now. I think it's really nice looking. Well, it's And some a- of the stuff near the end, I think, is particularly good. I think... Moss Eisley and the trench run are probably the best parts. Mm. So feel free to disagree. What was the, what was the hardest to find stuff for? Them creeping around the Death Star was very hard because a lot of that's very specific. And um, the the first ten minutes are surprisingly tough because it's interesting. You can see the parts where he was like particularly innovative, and you can see sort of what was added and what was taken out of the old movies in the sense that like in almost every sci-fi movie i can think of before it really you know there's people in spacesuits there's people out in space right and i can find tons and tons of footage of people out in space crawling along their ships and rebuilding them and everything star wars i realized that none of them is anybody ever in space which was uh sort of like a weird revelation so then some of the stuff that was sort of unique to it which was the exploration of the interior spaces like the death star and like the the long hallways of the blockade runner in the beginning, those were a little hard to fill in. But you did it. And you did it yeah. very well, man. I did it. It's 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 astounding to watch. And if you're a fan of film, fan of Star Wars, this is a must watch. If you're a fan of the show, it's definitely a must watch because you just love John in general. So you want to <laughs> check out stuff he did. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm taking notes already to do a follow-up for a uh, cornerstone movie from the same era. Oh, yeah? Well, we're not going to yeah. reveal that yet, huh? Yep. All right. But that's that's great to know. It'll be even better, probably, because it's a movie I like even more. Oh, okay. I think we all know what it is now. Well, I I know (laughs) because he told me in private, but (laughs) I'm not going to reveal it. I mean, me too. But from that, that's a pretty good hint. Yeah, it is a good hint. If you're a listener of the show, you're going to know. You're on the right track. Check it out. It's on our it's on our Twitter. We plugged it like five million times. It's on smugfilm.com. Yes. With a great introduction by our own Cody P. Clark. Yeah, that was a very nice introduction, by the way. I, I don't want to people say. to think that my middle initial is P. It's I just, short for Pee-wee. No, it's not. And that's not my middle it's initial. It's W because it's short for Pee-wee. It's but Fox. But it's like little P and then a big W. This is not accurate. It's Fox Mulder. Uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll allow that. <laughs> Cody Fox Mulder Clark. Close <laughs> enough. But uh, check it out. Great stuff. And uh, John, thanks for Skyping in. I know you're real busy with Green Brothers. 
Yeah, I'm clicking and clacking away all day on, on typings and emails. And I got a meeting soon about putting a movie into the world. That's right. An actual movie, not a pre-make, but a, a regular make, just a make. You know, it's funny. I got one one guy who I like kind of know posted about this, about the pre-make. And he said, John D'Amico finally finished the movie he was working on for so long. And I was like, well, I mean, kind of, but no, <laughs> this is a different movie I made in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. I wish the pre-make could go up on like IMDb. I don't know what the restrictions are for that or whatever, but. Maybe it can. I don't, I don't know. Maybe we should think about screening it somewhere. I would love that. Let's get some audience call-ins about that. Where should we do it? Who yeah. should we do it to? Yeah, if you if you live in some town and you're like, I want to bring the pre-make to my town, let us know and maybe we can we can bring it to y'all. Yeah, yeah if you have a bar you need to fill, that's going to do it. We could do it at a bar. We could do it wherever. So uh, let us know if you think... Not your basement, though. Not the, we're, not, we're not going to people's houses. <laughs> We're not screening it in your living room. Don't try to trap us. That's not worth the plane fare, the train fare, the whatever fare. Don't try to get us into the dungeon because it's yeah. not going to happen. We're wily. No, we're not. Don't don't tie us up and make us do smug film episodes for you. This ain't that sort of thing. No, Sally. Any <laughs> final thoughts quick? Did you see? I know you've been brushing up on 2015 movies. You see anything good? Yeah. Uh, Tangerine, I thought was wonderful. The Mend, I thought was wonderful. I really like Steve Jobs, which I was not expecting to. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. to watch that. I'm I'm dying to see it. Interesting. Yeah, it was really good. 2015, pretty good year turned out. I love Tangerine. I loved Anomalisa. Those are my one and two, basically neck and neck for favorite of the year. I uh I saw the lobster, which I had been dying to see for a really long time. The lobster. It's it's pretty good. It's Yorgos Lanthimos. He's the guy, the Greek this filmmaker. Is, this movie doesn't exist. Who did Dogtooth? It's a weird movie. It's about um uh, like how you have to find a partner and marry them, or else you turn into an animal of your choice. So the what? guy picks a lobster. He wants to be a lobster. It's weird, and it, and I've been waiting for it for a long time. I don't think that's even got released in the U.S. now. Uh, and and it was good. It had a really interesting message about relationships and society and structure and bullshit. And uh, I I enjoyed the message. I thought that the execution was a little bit lesser, but I would actually still recommend it if you have the ability That's to how I see it. I thought about Dogtooth too. Oh, I love Dogtooth. I thought about Dogtooth too. I felt like it was better in theory than in practice. See, Dogtooth I really liked. That one I, I thought was a solid movie. Um, I also saw White God, which was disappointing. I don't know if I talked about that yet. And then Still Alice was fantastically acted, made me weep. But like, uh, you know, it, it is a bit of a, you know, uh, illness of the week kind of movie. Mm. But it, it actually doesn't, it's not manipulative. And that's, that's what that's, I liked about it. That's refreshing. It's it, it's, yeah, it's actually is whack. refreshing. White God was whack. It was a bummer. From the trailer, I knew to avoid that one. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.